Hi there. You're listening to episode 20 of the Blended Family Podcast. I have a great interview to share with you today with a very credible resource, as I'm sure you'll see when you listen to the show. The interview runs a bit longer than my usual shows, but I really do think it's well worth the time. First, just want to remind you to email me or message me if you're interested in the free card decal in either pink or teal. And also email me with your questions or tips. I love to hear from my listeners, so don't be shy. Write to me and I will write you back. If you like the show, please rate and review me in iTunes. It helps me out a lot for other people to find me. Okay, that's all. Thanks and enjoy the interview. You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi, and welcome to the show. Today, I am here with Christina Roach. Christina is president and founder of Success for Steps, a resource for step families, and she specializes in working with individuals in step relationships. She is a certified step family foundation master coach and is a recognized step family professional by the National Step Family Resource Center. In addition, she is a licensed psychotherapist, a national certified counselor, and a distance credentialed counselor. She's been featured in both national print and broadcast media, including Ebony Magazine and NBC's Daytime. And she's a contributing writer for Stepmom Magazine. Christina has a private practice in Tampa, Florida, and offers phone and webcam coaching for those living outside the area. Wow, that's quite a bio. Welcome to the show, Christina. Yeah, thank you, Melissa. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you today. I stumbled across your website when I was doing some research, and what you offer really aligns with what I'm trying to do with this podcast, so I think you have a lot to offer to my listeners. Can you tell us a little bit more about Success for Steps and what you offer? Well, I um, I started my practice's focus uh, on step families because I became a stepmother myself more than a decade ago. And I found that the resources for anyone in step families, whether they're a step parent, a biological parent, or they happen to be both, was pretty limited, uh, particularly in terms of, you know, evidence-based, research-based help that they could actually get. So that's kind of where I started my journey, and I founded Success for Steps to really be a resource for anyone who either themselves or their partner brings children into their relationship um, from a former uh, union that they had with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, And do you have biological children as well? I do. I do. No, I have... um, I have a four-year-old and a three-year-old, little girls, and um, my stepdaughter is now an adult, so she's kind of off forging her own way in the world right now. Oh, okay. 
That's great. Well, I'm so happy to see what you're doing to help families. I think it's amazing, and there's so much value in what you have to offer, and I definitely want to get into some deeper topics here. Um, Since you specialize in step family issues, what would you say is the most common issue among blended families today? You know, the number one issue... uh And I'm a little hesitant to say issue and more of a theme, Mm -hmm. (laughs) the more overriding theme that I see is unrealistic expectations. And those can be defined in two ways. One, you know, whether the destination itself is unrealistic um, and number two, whether the timeline that either the couple or the individual has placed on getting to that destination you know, a lot of times um, people, <laughs> uh, they, they, they say, you know, we wanted to see, we, we thought it would just kind of work out. You know, we're kind of just going to see what's going to happen. And unfortunately, in a step family, in a blended family, that's, that's not always the best course of action. Because when you just kind of sl- lean back and go, well, let's kind of see what happens. Um, you could be taking a, you know, a curve down a very bumpy road um, because step families don't evolve along the natural trajectory that a nuclear family does. So pretty much the, the main concern that I see is, you know, really having those unrealistic expectations and w- whichever bucket they kind of fall into, whether it's a destination that they want to go to that's may not be realistic given all the variables or it's the timeline because they don't understand that things in a step family take so much longer uh, to kind of mesh together than they do in a, a, a nuclear family. Yeah, I totally agree with that. In fact, I was, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I was talking to uh, Portia from Working Motherhood podcast, and she mm-hmm. had heard that it takes seven years for a blended family to really kind of mesh and start working well together. And I thought, wow, I really agree with that myself. I mean, I'm going on uh, eight years right now, and I would agree that it took us a really long time to get to where we were. And also that a lot of people don't have a plan. You're right. They just kind of think, oh, this is going to be great. And it's great in the beginning. And once you get into it, you realize, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And yeah, it takes many, many years. I mean, also depending on how old the kids are and everything, but I think it takes a long time for everybody to kind of cope well together and start learning how to communicate in a healthy way. So that's, that's really good. And I see. And if you think about it, it, it's almost to be expected a little bit because if you, we bring our children up, you know, to be a little weary of strangers, yeah. you know, um, as a safety component and to just throw them under a roof with, with, with individuals, even if you've introduced them as this is my new partner. I mean, yes, that kind of is relatable to a child. But still, it's someone that they don't know. It's somebody that's out of their uh, their circle of reference, their circle of norm, so to speak. So it should be expected that it's going to take them a little bit longer to warm up to them. And that's, that's completely fine. And um, the research that you're referring to is from Dr. Patricia Papernow. And, you know, the, the merging of a, of a step family can 
you know, it can happen within a four-year time frame or it can take much longer. But yeah, it depends on, you know, the age of the kids and also a whole bunch of different uh, variables. But I think the clincher is the fact that it takes time. It's just not going to happen magically overnight. If it did, don't worry. All of us that work in the field would whip out our magic wands. But um, unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't found the manufacturer of that yet. That's true. And it's too bad people don't really understand that going in because I think it would make their life a lot easier if somebody could just say, hey, just so you know, this is how it's going to be. And that's why I'm really appreciative for the work that you're doing. I think it's really helpful. Okay, so next question. This is a big one. One of the biggest problems that I see when I talk to people among blended families is always trouble with the exes. This could be both exes on each side or just one, but it always seems that couples argue over issues relating to an ex-husband or an ex-wife and how do we overcome this and not let it damage our new relationship? That is definitely a tough one. Uh, I see that uh, I see that a lot with my clients. Um, I I will put out there as a generalized statement that not all exes are um, <laughs> are uh, are are huge concerns. You yes. know, there 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 are you know step families where everyone is kind of able to play nice in the sandbox, mm -hmm. even when they have disagreements. Okay, but. Um, the couple really needs to make sure that they remain focused on, you know, what their messaging is regarding the boundaries that they have set up. The boundaries that they have a couple have determined is going to work best, okay, for themselves as well as their family. And in, in how the messaging, what I'm referring to in regards to that is their actions and their behaviors are they congruent with what those agreed-upon boundaries are? And there are boundaries that surround their couple relationship, their intimate relationship, but then there's also the boundary that surrounds their household as well. And those, those are separate boundaries. And even, you know, talking about the ex, if you bring the ex into the fold in that, even the ex and the biological parent they have a little bit of a boundary around themselves simply because they are the biological parents. So it's, it's really staying, staying in tune with are our behaviors really reflecting, uh, the words that we're saying, you know, cause if you say one thing, your behaviors say something else, then your words all of a sudden lose all credibility. Um, and, and also in addition to that, you know, any couple, particularly when they're dealing with what they perceive as a difficult ex, they really need to remain focused on the strength of their couple relationship mm. and really shift from a you and me mentality, which sometimes that can kind of rear its head, um, uh, particularly when you have an outside variable, which can be very sporadic and, and it's almost like a bouncy ball. You have no idea where it's going to go. It's, it's not you and me and, and you're the one that brought this variable into my life. You don't, you don't even want to get into that because that's more of a tit for tat mentality. Right. You want to shift from that to one where you're really partnering with each other. You know, you're really locking arms with your partner 
and you're confronting those concerns as a team. Even if the confronting the concerns is whatever the action is, you just take it as an acknowledgement of the unpredictability of the um, of that third person, okay. which unfortunately sometimes that's um, that's kind of a resolve that a couple has to do because of the the predicament is so difficult and the behaviors are so unpredictable. Yeah. And I say all the time, because I'm really big on, you know, we can't control other people and mm-hmm. what they do, we can only control ourselves. But a lot of times, you know, you can be playing nice and your partner can be playing nice, but that ex comes in and just kind of doesn't play nice. And how do you, I mean, how do you deal with that when you have somebody who won't bend at all and won't compromise at all and really tries to just drive a wedge in between, you know, you and your kids or you and your new partner? I mean, what do you do? Well, there are, um, it, in regards to the, the role of the step parent, mm-hmm. you know, taking definite steps back and uh, consciously kind of disengaging and removing your, <laughs> removing yourself from certain conversations or certain scenarios that may be best played out between the two biological parents. Yeah. Okay. That can be kind of saving your own soul for, for, for lack of a better, um, for, for lack of a better way to put it, where you're able to keep your own sanity and in doing so, you're able to still be there for your partner. Because there's only so much that your partner can back away from because they're linked to this person, you know, kind of like till death do they part, even if they are divorced, because they do have um, that biological um, or even adoptive child together. Right. Um, So it's really, you know, I, I, I always, you know, I talk with my clients, you know, what are, what are your main, what are your main drivers? What are your main priorities? in your household um, that you may or may not want to try to teach to your stepkids and really prioritize those. And whatever the subject is or whatever you feel the ex is bringing to the table, if it doesn't really, you know, grasp on or uh, line itself up with one of those priorities, that can kind of allow you to step back. Okay. Okay. And even if it does line up with one of those priorities, it's it's one of those, and it, this is a very hard pill to swallow, and I can definitely say that because I am a type A personality, mm-hmm. and I am a step-parent. But sometimes the step-parent, you know, sometimes it's not your role to get involved. Now, if it affects your household, yes, you do have a right to have a say, okay? But it's almost... How is that say going to happen? And how can you link with your partner, you know, to make sure that, that your voice is heard, but it's heard, you know, maybe through the decisions and um, agreements that you and your partner have made, as opposed to you putting yourself in the bowl with your partner and the ex as well. Because then you have a, a triangle thing going on, as opposed to you kind of sitting back and then shielding yourself a little bit from 
any of the bluntness that 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 kind of goes on in that relationship. So it's it it's really you know defining what those boundaries are and you and your partner really sticking to them because you're right you can't impact what another person does. Yeah, we all wish that we could, right? Um, but we do have a hundred percent control as to how much it's going to impact us. And that's not to say it's not going to impact us. It most certainly is. But we control how much that impact really has. That's great. That's actually really, really helpful. So in addition, the other thing couples (laughs) argue about a lot that I see is over the children. Yeah. And it's kind of the same case where sometimes you don't know how much to get involved or not. And in many cases, it seems that it, stems from each set of children having been raised with different rules or values. And so I want to know, how do partners give each other the space to parent their children without getting upset or resentful about their parenting choices? Well, it's, uh, I think it's completely okay for each or either or both uh, partners to get upset, okay? Um, because everyone's allowed to feel how they're going to feel. With that, though, it's how are we going to express that? So, um, you know, to to kind of break that question down, um, it is difficult when you have each partner bringing their own kids into the equation and the parenting styles have been uh, different, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it is going to depend on the children's schedule, you know, how often they're in their house. But I, I take clients through, you know, a three-step process where the first step is really honoring the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. You're honoring their opinion. Now, honoring does not mean equal, okay, or does, does not mean agree with <laughs> their, their parenting choices, but really trying to understand where they're coming from. And again, understanding does not mean you have to agree with, okay? And from there, then you have kind of all the cards out on the table as to why they're choosing their approaches that they're choosing. Then from there, you prioritize. You know, what are your reasons behind letting little Johnny stay out till 11 o'clock at night? Or what's your key driver to, you know, little Susie's curfew being 8 p.m., okay? And... Once you're able to identify those, whether it's safety or whether it's you had an over-controlling parent growing up and you certainly don't want that for your own child, okay? So you find yourself being way more lenient, okay? So you, you really try to investigate and really be curious about what your partner's drivers are and what those priorities are, what, what their key, um, what their key messages are that they want to make sure that their children are getting, you know, through growing up under their household. And then from there, you see where each partner, do they have any commonalities, you know? Um, Is there any middle ground that may already exist that they just weren't aware of? And then you see if there's any sort of compromise, you know? Are there... Are there certain parental issues where they can actually come to a mutual uh, agreeance? And this is most certainly not a win-lose situation, okay? You kind of want to push it a little bit as a win-win, but a win-win does not necessarily mean one person gets 100% their way, you know? (laughs) 
one person may be like, okay, I could give a little here or I'm not going to give there. But on this other topic, you know, I'm not really wholeheartedly into that. So I would be willing to step back a little bit. Now, um, I think it is 100% unrealistic to think that, uh, you know, two different people with two different parenting styles are automatically going to be able to find an exact middle ground, you know, where they, they come to an agreement where their parenting styles are identical to each other. I think that's, that's unrealistic. Um, it's important though, to remember that if the parenting styles are polar differences and it's so apparent that it's polar differences, not that each of those polarities have to be brought to a um, exact middle, but it's very important. And if you have to go see a professional to, you know, work through some of those to find some kind of commonality, commonality on some of the issues, because you don't want to set up an environment where unbeknownst to you, and I'm referring to the adults, unbeknownst to you, resentment is starting to build within the children. Yeah. Whether it's the children against each other or whether it's the children against the step parent or the biological parent, because whatever is happening today is really setting up and forecasting their step relationship that they're going to have in the future. And whatever you can do to nurture that is really going to be key. Right. And I think kids are the first ones to point out if things aren't fair and it's like, yes, why do they get to do this? And we don't, or, you know, similar situations, very, very hard to try to play fair when there's different sets of rules for each kid. And so I, you know, what we try to do in our house is kind of say, listen, these are your rules when you're at the other houses, but here we like to kind of keep things kind of level and the same when you're all here together, that way we can keep them focused and not have them get resentful towards each other because, but now they're getting a little bit older. So they understand and they get it a little bit more, but then right. when they were young, it was a little bit more difficult. So yeah. And when, and when you have two households, it, um, at least for the verbiage, <laughs> it can be a lot easier to say, yes, um, that's the rules at that household, which is, which is fine, right? Cause we can't really, we can't control what happens to the other household, right. but these are the rules here. Um, but particularly in families where, um, they don't visit the other household very often or the other biological parent is completely out of the picture. Um, and sometimes maybe they've passed away. Mm. There's, there's no other household, you know, to try to draw that line. So really trying to find some sort of middle ground that, that both partners can be okay with. Again, making it so you, you don't have kids under the same house uh, that are playing by completely different rules. Because that's, that's just not, that's just setting yourself up for, you know, constant complaining, constant tally keeping, which is not going to be beneficial to anybody. Yeah. And that actually leads to my next question about step siblings. And I've actually done a couple of episodes that touched on this, but what do families do when their kids, the step siblings are not getting along? I know it can put so much stress on a couple and it's also extremely common. So what do you do when you can't get the step siblings to just make it work? Well, um, first I think it's okay to let them know that they don't have to get along. Okay. I mean, 
they don't. <laughs> they don't even have to like each other, you know? Um, they can love each other. They can hate each other. That's completely fine. People are allowed, uh, particularly in step families, allowed to think and feel ha as they do, okay? Um, the key is they have to still, regardless of their feelings, treat the other person with respect, and that's just a commonality that most of us were, were brought up to do. You may not like this person, but you have to treat them with respect. Mm -hmm. And keeping in mind that time is always on your side in a step family. So if you feel as if, or not even feel, if it's just blatantly in front of you, that the kids are just not getting along, don't try to force it, okay? Um because I, at least I know myself growing up, whenever my parents would try to force me to do anything, what would mm. I do? I would kick my heels up in protest and yeah. I would do the exact opposite. <laughs> so, so if you have one stepchild not liking the other one, but they're being forced to do all these altogether activities, you might, you may find their rebellious behavior just being heightened. Um, where I think it's less reflective on the other step sibling, but more on the fact of being forced to do something that they don't want to do. Um, and if, if you're able to have each stepchild have their own room, that definitely is a benefit. Now, obviously that's not the reality for a lot of step families. Mm -hmm. Um, but really look at the space in the home. Okay. And see, is there, uh, <laughs> There's always a lot of talk about, you know, the step parent has to be able to have their own space in the home. Yes, I do agree with that. But particularly the kids, too, they have to have their own space. Mm -hmm. And if they're not able to have their own room, okay, then maybe there can be parts of the room or half of the room or something that is that that is there. Something that shows that they and their space is respected. And that is something that isn't pinpointed on one sibling, but it's pinpointed on everybody. Mm -hmm. So again, there's a message there of we may not, you know, all be getting along right now, but everyone's going to be treated fairly in this system. Everyone's going to be treated fairly under this roof. Um, and that I think really helps facilitate that whole treating the other person with respect. Even if in the beginning, that means I pretend that you're not there. Because if I actually acknowledged you, I might say something mean. So right. it's, it's kind of taking what you can get. Um, and, and you also, you know, as the biological parent, you also want to make sure that you're being very mindful to really safeguard that biological parent and biological child time. So you do still have that one-on-one -on -one time um, scheduled into you know, whatever your weekly schedule is. So they still have that, they still have that very important bond with you as they are still trying to process and still trying to get used to this new family dynamic. Okay. That's really good advice. So 
let's talk teenagers. <laughs> My listeners know I have some of those, but really, I think they're just more difficult to raise than younger children. And younger kids just seem to have an easier time accepting step parents than teenagers do. Now, mm-hmm. I've been partnered since the kids were young, so this wasn't an issue that I personally had to face, but I see it everywhere. And I want to know what should parents do when they have children who don't accept their new partner? Well, um, I mean, being, uh, yes, adolescence is more difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Having a teenager, though, doesn't automatically mean uh, that they're not going to like their step-parent. And I actually came into my stepdaughter's life when she was uh, uh, a newly christened teenager. I don't know if I said that right, but she, uh, (laughs) I think she turned 13, either right before I married her father or right after I married her father, but we had been together some years prior to that. So, um, so I was a new step, uh, new stepmom with a new, um, step teenager. Right. Uh, and what I tell, uh, teenagers as well as, uh, you know, the step parents and parents involved, again, it's completely okay if they don't accept, you know, the new partner. Okay. I mean, think about it. Place yourself in their shoes. You know, whatever the dynamic is before the new person came along, I mean, why would you want to give that up? You know, right. particularly if they've been, you know, elevated to adult status, mm-hmm. if they were getting, you know, 100% of mom or dad's attention. I would, I, even me saying this right now, I wouldn't want to give that up. So I think it would be unrealistic that a child would just go, oh, okay, you're the new partner, everything's fine. So it's, it's okay if they don't accept them. But again, they need to treat them with the same respect that they're expected to show other adults. And for their parent to continually, you know, give them the messages of you know, how they feel is okay. Um, and if there's anything that they would ever like to talk about, that's okay too. Um, and, and I mean, there's specific verbiage that you can use given whatever the, whatever the parent really feels is going on, um, that, that really, you know, lets them know that the door is open to that conversation whenever they would feel like actually having that with their parent, um, the, 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 the key to all that is to the adult delivering the message as opposed to whatever the teenager says in response. Cause a lot of times you're not going to get anything in response or what you get is going to be an eye roll or like a big sigh mm. that doesn't devalue the message that the parent gave. Um, and even the step parent can deliver certain messages as well, you know, depending on what that depending on what the scenario is and the messages can even be set up like wondering statements, you know, like, I don't know about you, but I don't know how to respond in this situation. So what do you think when people, you know, mistake me for your mom, how would you like me to reply? Cause I, I respond like this, but I respond like this because I'm thinking this or that or whatever it is kind of, <laughs> All those things that are going through our heads as adults, it's like you lay that on the table for them. That way they they understand, oh my gosh, she doesn't have it all figured out. Or, 
oh my gosh, she didn't say that because she wanted to distance myself, distance herself from me, or she didn't want to replace my mom. She just doesn't really know what to say. And look, she's actually asking me for my response. So there are a lot of different um, uh, verbalizations that the adults can use uh, with the teenagers that can help lighten the tensity of that relationship. Okay. Now, what if the child turns around and says the, the dreaded words, you're not my mother, you're not my father, and I don't have to listen to you? What should the response be for that? Well, part of what part of that is true. I mean, they're right. You're right. you're not the mom. You're not the dad. So I would validate that. You know, you're right. <laughs> okay. I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. Okay. Um, but the fact that I'm the other adult in this household, you know, just like you listen to your teacher. Okay. You know this. Uh, uh, this you're going to listen to me on. It's. Um, it's very critical for the couple to have a conversation, right? The conversation as to what's acceptable and what's unacceptable in the household. And that to be presented in a team meeting, kind of an, uh, um, kind of a setup with, with the kids, with the biological parent kind of delivering those messages. And there's, again, there's certain ways to do that to help get the buy-in from the kids. So it's more of a family team environment as opposed to the adults dictating to the kids. Okay. Um, it's really important to have that because in those situations where you get that dreaded, you're not my mom and dad, you don't have to listen to me. Well, you're right. I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. Um, but remember when we talked about, you know, walking through the house with your muddy shoes on? was kind of unacceptable. We all agreed that we were going right. to leave our shoes outside. That's what I'm referring to. Now, I, I know that was just an example, Melissa, but it goes back to the, to the importance of having that kind of round table discussion between the kids and the adults mm. earlier on because it gives the step parent something to go back to when something like this is kind of dropped in their lap and the biological parent isn't there. Um, because just because you're a step parent doesn't mean you're a doormat, which yeah. is very important. Yeah. And I think the key is to not get the hurt feelings that come with those phrases because it's yeah. not, you know, it's hard to not take it personal, but I it think is it's not very healthy hard. to take it personal. So it's a, uh, it's, it, ah, uh, it's very hard not to take it personal. And, um, if there was going to be a sliver of positivity within that, it would be, you know, if you take something like that personal, it's because you care. Mm -hmm. You know, you may care about your stepkid, but again, there's no rule book that says that you have to. Yeah. Okay. I'm a huge advocate of saying we, we need to stop prescribing how people think and feel about the other person. But utmost, you care about how you're treated. Okay. And you care about the household and the environment that you want. And that, it's almost like, thank goodness you care, right? Because if you didn't, who knows what would be happening then. But it's being able to delineate between, okay, I'm getting upset because I care about these certain things. And that's okay. But let me take a step back now and really look at what the messaging is. 
and half of that statement is true, well, let's validate it. And then the other half of it, well, well, that's not really quite accurate. And it's not quite accurate because we've had a family discussion about this. And it wasn't just me. It was actually your parent, you know, and you were in agreement with them. So you're more of a kind of upholder um, of that expectation that uh, that has been discussed already. Good. Well, I love that family meeting idea. I want to know if you have any other exercises or ideas that you can share with us on how to bring our blended families closer together. Um, well, the, uh, the, the family meetings and the periodic family meetings, um, you know, kind of based on the whole, you know, what do you think that we should be doing to make mm-hmm. things better, you know, as um, like an overdrawn, uh, uh, an overlaying topic, I think is always great. You know, for the biological parents to just check in with their kids, you know, periodically and, um, and deliver the messages. And, and I know that I keep saying that, <laughs> deliver the messages, but, um, it's, if you have an inkling, for instance, that your stepchild is, I don't know, getting upset with the step parent over what they make for dinner, for instance. Um, you know, a great way to present that is, uh, is, you know, to offer that wondering statement of, you know, I know, uh, I know Cheryl has been, you know, uh, making us, you know, some really healthy dinners or she's trying, you know, new recipes out. And I don't know, it's kind of been a little odd for me because it's really new, you know, what she's making. I kind of like it, but I didn't know what your thoughts were. If you liked it or not liked it, I don't know. Just as an example of how you can kind of present it and kind of deliver the message to your, um, deliver the message to your child that it's okay to talk about, uh, which I think is very, very important. Um, and, and again, the step parent can deliver those messages too. And um, I think it's also important to have a conversation with the kids in regards to the terminology that's used. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times when I talk to children, um, no one's ever asked them, you know, what they would like to call their step parent. No one has ever asked them you know, how do you feel about the word step family? Or how do you feel about the word blended family? And what do each one of those words, you know, communicate to other people? What do you think about the term bonus mom? I mean, a lot of times, at least in my work, I'm not seeing those conversations happen. And I'm big on the terminology and the words that you use. And you can be open to use whatever terminology you want, I just feel that a conversation really needs to go along with it. So everyone's like, oh, okay, I'm completely fine with that. As opposed to um, just being told, you know, you're going to call me this or, um, or I'm just going to call you that. So just continuing that process of open communication and, and wondering how things are going for your stepkid. Uh, or uh, your stepkid, but also, you know, your biological kid, letting them know that you don't have this all figured out either. 
That's great. I actually never thought about that before, about, you know, having them weigh in on some of the terminology that you use. That's really great advice because, uh, yeah, you're right. When we met, it was like, I'm bonus mom and that's, you know, big Sean. And this is, you know, we just kind of put it out there, but you're right. We never thought about asking them their opinion. So that's just really good advice. So thank you for that. Now we're getting ready to wrap up. So I want to know from you, how does a couple know when it might be time to get some counseling for their blended family and how could they benefit from talking with a professional? Uh, Well, if if a couple finds that the same issues keep coming up and they're making no progress Mm. and if they pay attention to their conversations, you know, are they productive or are they more destructive? And if they're more destructive, that's a big red flag of going, you know what, we really need to reach out to somebody. It's very important, though, that anyone in a step family, they need to see a professional that is knowledgeable of step family dynamics. Um, you know, asking them what makes a step family different from a nuclear family or what particular situations or scenarios have you seen in step families that you've worked with. And if you're in a step family, <laughs> you're going to be able to tell by their responses if they get it or don't get it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, you know, obviously, you know, make an informed decision. Good. Well, I see that you have a very thorough site where you can find not only everything you have to offer, but all other sorts of resources as well, such as statistics and advice. Now, I know you're based out of Tampa, Florida, but you do Mm -hmm. offer services for clients out of your location as well. So can you tell us how that works? Uh, Yeah, I offer step family coaching services uh, for um, uh, on telephone sessions as well as webcam sessions as well, uh, which is uh, like a video conference set up. And I also offer a monthly distance stepmom group, which is is hosted on the video conferencing platform as well. And anyone that is interested, they can go to my website, uh, which is successforsteps.com. They can email me from there or they can always call me directly. And, uh, and in regard to the, to the stepmom group, um, the group is very solution focused Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's very, it's, it's very solution. uh, It's very solution focused. Obviously it's a very safe place to talk about stepmom stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but all the members, uh, because everyone goes a little bit through a pre-screening process, um, to make sure everyone everyone feels that the the dynamics of the groups and how I run it is really going to meet their needs. So it, it's very informal, um, but very um, kind of revolves around a whole brainstorming mentality. Really making sure that all the moms that step moms that attend leave with more interventions in their tool case uh, than when they first showed up to the meeting. Okay. That sounds super interesting. Now you're also doing a survey. I think you're Mm -hmm. writing a book, right? And you wanted me to share with my listeners about the survey. Can you just give some information on that as well? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very, very brief survey. It takes less than seriously 60 seconds to fill out, but it's all focused on the messages that we receive before we enter a step family. And messages that we receive, whether we are a stepmom, a stepdad, a biological mom, a biological dad, or if we're a uh, stepchild, you know, what are those messages 
that we received, whether they were, you know, hurtful, helpful, which is the most memorable message, uh, that, that we received and whether or not we, we found it, you know, helpful. Um, because again, I think that there's so many, um, messages out there, particularly in the media and Disney just released the Cinderella movie. So of course yeah. <laughs> we have one end of the spectrum there. And then I think maybe on TV land or some cable channel, you can find, you know, Carol Brady being all smiley and chipper in the Brady bunch. So you have those two extremes, but there's, there's a, there's a whole spectrum in between though, uh, between those two polar opposites. And I'm very interested to learning about those with everyone that is in a, that is in a step family. So, and I believe you said you're going to include a link to the survey in your speaker notes. Yes, I sure am. I'm going to put them right on the show notes and I'm also going to add that link to the Facebook page as well so that people can go on there. And I actually took that survey myself and oh, it really perfect. did take me no time at all. I did it right on my cell phone. It was really easy. So please listeners do that for Christina. Christina, I want to thank you so much for coming oh, on the show you. today. And and also thank you for what you do for families. Can you please tell the listeners how to find you and maybe some parting advice? Um, yeah, uh, you can find me at successforsteps.com. Um, uh, S-U-C-C-E-S-S-F-O-R-S-T-E-P-S.com. Uh, or uh, I, find, I, I find myself being so um, uh, techie when I say this, but if you Google my name, uh, Christina Roach, and it's R-O-A-C-H, you will most certainly find, uh, find my information on the web. And in regards to parting advice, you know, it's, um, it's, it's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard to be a parent, right? Yeah. Um, and it's very hard to be a step parent. And as both, I have found that my role as a step parent has been harder because it has forced me to take the higher road. Uh, more, more often that maybe, maybe I should be doing, you know, as, as, uh, as a biological parent, you know, because the leniency that biological parents get, unfortunately, um, doesn't carry over into the reality of a lot of, uh, stepmom and stepdad's worlds. Mm. And to let yourself off the hook now and then that it's okay not to be perfect. Uh, it's not your job to solve whatever you uh, you feel needs fixing or what everybody else may tell you needs to be fixing about the family that you just joined. And if you are having questions, or not questions, but feelings and thoughts that really cause you to, uh, to question yourself, right? Because they're kind of out of your norm for your personality. Please know that, that does not make you a horrible person. It makes you completely normal. You're just trying to figure out this big, vast ocean of uncertainties that you entered into when you decided to enter into a step family. And people can tell you advice up and down. You can read as many books as you want, right, before you actually enter a step family. But until you're really experiencing it until you're really in the trenches, I don't think anyone really understands the realities. Um, so I guess just, uh, uh, 
just to give yourself a little bit of a break and know that you're doing the best that you can do in any given moment of time. And that's all that anyone can ever ask of you. And that's all that really I think that you can really expect of yourself. So... Thank you. That's great advice. And I am going to post all of the links that we talked about in the show notes, including the survey, and I'm going to post it on the Facebook page and group as well. Listeners, please check out Christina's website. It's full of information on blended families. Also, she's accepted my offer to join our private Facebook group as a professional, so you can connect with her there as well. And remember, you can find that group at blendedfamilypodcast.com slash group. So thanks for joining us today and a special thanks to you, Christina. See you next time. Thanks. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.